0: This
1: uh, this is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon Joma, my co-host Nick and Dan, gentlemen. Summer series continuing on here. Uh, we're bringing in the big hitter Matt Law. A uh, lot to talk about, Dan. Um, I think you know, just to, to remind everyone why we do these things is not only do we need maybe a non chelsea biased perspective you know like matt brings something different because you know this is this is day job he approaches it differently than us which might surprise some people <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, some people
1: it's, do it's... tend to uh get the lines
2: blurred between the fact that i'm not actually a chelsea fan
0: well i think it's better right i think we get great opinions from you like uh nazar when we have him on you know he's not a chelsea supporter so you know you know it's nice occasionally for us to get some perspective because we can be just a touch blue tinted at times we'll raise up Mm -hmm. our hands so we'll we'll be honest about it
1: yeah no it's great matt we're excited to have you uh obviously you've been covering the euros and everything that how's it been for you
2: yeah good busy 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 i'm sort of responsible forever in england so there's a lot to do, a lot to write about. I've I've done a lot of these tournaments now, and it's really all-consuming. I mean, I, I've I've obviously try and keep up with a bit of Chelsea. You'll notice I don't write half as much Chelsea as I would normally during these tournaments because it's impossible to. Um, there's a lot of even with the the tournament. A lot of it's in England at the moment. There's still a lot of travelling up and down the country to Burton where England train. Lots of late press conferences, lots of information. So. I do find the tournament's all consuming, but I've, I'm really enjoying it so far. And looking forward, we're, we're talking 24 hours before England play Germany, so I'm really looking forward to that as well.
1: That's right. Nick, you gave us that article from Matt, dropped those tasty quotes from Kai. Havertz in that presser talking about uh, how England have uh, areas to improve. So do Germany. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. At uh, Matt, as, as you said before, we jumped on because uh, we, we have three Chelsea players in in, in each camp. Um, what What are your thoughts so far on on Kai and and maybe his uh, his performances? to yeah,
2: start I'd, this. I wrote a piece today on on Kai. He's, he's I mean, he's had a really good month, hasn't he? He, he obviously scored in the Champions League final. Quite good. And that, that started the ball rolling because he's he's got two goals. I think he's got a couple of assists as well for Germany. He's become their youngest ever goal scorer in the European Championships in the history of Germany, which you look back through their players, that's actually incredible. I was amazed that someone younger hadn't scored in the European Championships for them. So he's had a really good month. I've watched their games. I, a bit like for Chelsea in a way. I don't think he's been dominating games. I don't think he's been a player where you'd say, yeah, he's running the game. But he's come up with some very decisive moments. He has looked uh, assured when he's needed to look assured. And, you know, he's he's probably been their best goal threat because they they don't have... They're playing with Serge Gnabry as a sort of false nine with, with Kai as one of two tens behind him up to now. Um, so his position has been slightly different from the position he, he finished the season with Chelsea. And he's done well. And when you think how young... It's always easy to forget how young he is. And when you think how young he is, 22 years old, he's already scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. He's got two goals in the Euros. I'm pretty sure from the group stages, he, he was the player with the highest XG of any country, which surprised me when I saw that stat. You know, he is, numbers-wise, and, and what he's actually producing for someone as his age, he, he is actually doing remarkable things. And yet... And I think this is probably the most exciting thing for Chelsea fans. It's clear that he's still a long way from his best form. We're seeing little flashes of it. We're seeing the talent there. We're seeing why Chelsea have spent so much money. But I still don't think we're seeing, you know, the the Kai kind of Havertz that we'll see in one, two, three years. And I think that's the most exciting thing for Chelsea now.
3: Can we can we pivot over to uh, to your England squad really quick and and just talk about Mason and and Ben and what their status might be ahead of this match. Are they still going to be out.
2: It's a really interesting one. Um, so they're, we're talking now at UK time, 10 past two. Their isolation finishes at midnight tonight. So that means they can't train with the team at all ahead of this game. They have been training on a pitch next to the other team so a bit like cobham there's lots of pitches mm. so they can actually train individually on different pitches being able to see what the team are doing and try and replicate some of it they've been in team meetings on zoom so they have been part of team meetings they're physically i'm assured they're physically ready to they both kept testing negative they've had bikes put in their bedrooms they've done all the training on their own it would still seem to me like a big risk to play them. I mean, I, they can't even travel. The England team travel today from um, from Burton upon Trent, which is in the Midlands in, in England. It's about a three-hour journey down to to Wembley. They travel today at about four o'clock, um, and they travel in a couple of buses like the Premier League teams do because they have to keep their distance on the buses. They can't all sit next to each other. It's the normal COVID rules, and yet Ben and 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 Mason can't even be on those buses. Um, I don't even know whether they can travel down to Wembley before midnight or whether they can only travel down to Wembley after midnight. I don't even know whether they're allowed in a sort of taxi chauffeured car or not. So it's a tricky situation. Southgate loves Mason. If he was going to start one of them, it would be to take a gamble on Mason Mount because like every other manager who's ever worked with Mason Mount, (laughs) Southgate is absolutely obsessed with him and loves him. And if he can find a way of making it work to start Mason, he will. But I, and this might change through the day, I might get some information that changes this through the day. So to bear with me, if people listen to this and I've ended up writing something differently, as we stand at the moment, I would be surprised if Mason could start. But that's not to say I won't receive information later that that Mason's going to start. Chilwell, I don't think it's quite such an issue because he, he hasn't started a game anyway anyway. Um, and we have Shaw, we have Trippier, who can play left back or left wing back. So, here, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Chilwell will, will either be on the bench or even just miss out on the squad for this one.
0: So, Matt, that was three of the 17 uh, Chelsea players in the Euros that we, chatted <laughs> Are we gonna about. We're going to go
2: through there. everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we need to go through everyone. Uh, you know, obviously, Billy went out with the the Scotland squad and. But out of maybe the 16 and the ones that we've spoken about, who do you think is having the best Euros so far out of a Chelsea player?
2: Wow, that's a good question. I mean, I don't think any one of them has had... I don't think any player yet, maybe Patrick Schick apart for for Czech Republic, I don't think any one player has really taken the tournament by the scruff of the neck yet. I don't think there's that obvious star player of the tournament yet. I mean, obviously... Cante's Cante, he's always good, but France haven't really properly got going yet. You feel there's more to come from France. Billy Gilmore, in that one appearance against England, was was sensational and became the talk of the tournament for two days until he unfortunately tested positive. So, uh, but Billy Gilmore, just for that reason alone, had a very very good tournament and it's stood him in great stead for his Scotland future. Now, you know, he will be in every Scotland team moving forward and I, I would like to say we were all talking on this pod for quite some weeks before the Scotland squad was announced and um, I think we all were in agreement when Steve Clark was unsure about Billy that he should be part of that squad and he could be a star player so we were there from the start we, on that one Um I think uh Werner's been off the bench hasn't he? He hasn't been a kind of starter Spain we haven't COVID, really. Kovacic has been all right yeah, Kovacic think, has been okay. Kovacic has been yeah. okay. He's he's done quite well. He was he was very good against Scotland. I think it was. Um, it's look it, the knockout stages are always what the tournaments are remembered for, and always what the players are remembered for. If you go back to any World Cups or Euros, and you think of the standout players or the standout teams, it's very rare you're talking about the group stages. You're talking about the knockout stages. So, I think I think sort of star players and star teams, and maybe Chelsea stars of this tournament will come, but. In fairness, Havertz, with what he's done for, Chelsea, for for Germany, is probably Chelsea's standout performer at the moment. Two two goals, two assists, youngest ever goal scorer at the tournament.
1: Look, like those kind of numbers they'll make anyone happy. Um, I just always laugh that 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 tournament tax always, to your point, hits in in the uh, in the knockout stages. So we'll have to have to see who <laughs> who shakes. Shakes. I don't even know who there's either going to shake down. Probably PSG are the big hitters right now with Real Madrid and Barcelona trying to figure out what to do in light of not having a, uh, a Super League couch to... yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Hey, so some of the questions from the listeners, this one from Keith in Discord just says, any transfer ideas that you might want to publish with London is blue that turns into actual transfers, Matt? Any, any <laughs> other things you want to maybe speak into reality? No, no, I'm I'm I'm
2: going to put my Mystic Meg. Do you guys know who Mystic Meg is, by the way? You probably don't know who Mystic Meg is. No. Mystic Meg is someone someone famous in England who used to make predictions in a newspaper by reading the tea leaves and everything. So mm. I, I'm going to do my Mystic Meg act another day. But there's, there's been a bit around, hasn't there? There's been, I'm assuming at some stage, you guys want to talk about Hakimi, Billy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so let's start with one of those. Do you throw one of them at me? Let's start with one of them. We have a more important question first. I'll oh, go
3: on then. <laughs> go get a mic. All right. What happens first, Matt? We announce a, let's call it, 100, <laughs> 150 million pound striker or Spurs actually hire a manager? Don't,
2: don't. That's, that's, <laughs> that story is driving me absolutely insane, the Spurs story. I mean, you guys know I have to cover a bit of Spurs and I've I've actually told my office now that I'm leaving Spurs alone while I'm doing this tournament and we'll come back to Spurs at the end of the tournament because they've just driven me insane. Their are supporters, you guys must be loving it, because their supporters <laughs> are going mad. Um I think Spurs poor, it could be tight. It could be tight because I think there's a good <laughs> chance now Spurs will leave an appointment until the end of this tournament and, and see if there's anyone at this tournament they can take. Um so it could cool. be tight. I think Spurs will just get there in the end, but it to be tight. They've had a nightmare summer. Absolutely. So maybe
3: Yogi Yogi loved Spurs. There it
2: is. Boom. I, I think. I think. I. I think Mancini and Martinez are the two they might be having a little look at.
0: That was my gu- give me my guess with the way that Italy was playing. I, I feel like Mancini's probably worked himself into some conversations again for a, you know a, a club team.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, if I was Mancini. I'd be looking at that World Why? Cup because <laughs> you've only got 18 months to the World Cup, remember, because it's a it's a winter World Cup. You haven't got to wait two years. And they've got a very promising young team, Italy. And if they can't quite go all the way in this Euros, they're probably gonna have a great chance at that World Cup. I mean, if I was any Italy manager, I'd be thinking I'd like to do that World Cup before I start thinking about club football again. Because I mean, imagine I know we I know national team football isn't what it was, and being a national manager isn't as prestigious as it used to be. But winning the World Cup, having a chance to win the World Cup, that that would just be insane. So I think Spurs, even if uh, even if Mancini's kind of interested, I think they will struggle to convince him to step away from that Italy job at the, the moment. Martinez is a bit different because it feels like Belgium are coming towards the end of a cycle.
0: Well, so let's then refocus back on Chelsea since you've told the editors, no, I'm not going to cover the dumpster <laughs> fire at the moment. Um the the question I think on everybody's mind when we put up the the Matt signal, which is kind of like the bat signal, um, you know, uh, Erling Holland, uh, the most popular Norwegian name in the universe at the moment. People wanted the update, Matt. They all just said Holland, and they wanted to know what's going on. So I will just turn it over to you and seat the floor for anything that you've been able to glean from a very quiet situation.
2: Yeah, look, it's a it's a it's a really quiet time, and the, the problem is now is that. There's a lot of rumours around. There's a lot of this is happening, that's happening. And in reality, not a lot is happening. I've got to be honest with you. There's not an awful lot going on. There's there's talks. There's tentative things going on. But players the players who aren't at the Euros, we've seen the pictures. Haaland's on holiday at the moment. You know, Haaland's having a great time in some wacky clothes. He's he's going to have to sort that dress sense out if he ever comes to Chelsea. Otherwise, you're going to have fun with him. But... Um, there's just not a lot going on. I mean, the, the one that has been properly live is Hakimi. That has been a, a sort of properly live happening negotiation, uh, mainly with PSG and, and slightly with Chelsea. Um, but I wrote quite early on, I mean, I've always been a bit wary of this Hakimi one since since the start. PSG obviously went in strong, and the fact that all the stories about Italy... Uh, sorry about Chelsea, first of all, came out of Italy, raised a a red flag with me immediately because it felt like Inter were pushing out stories about Chelsea, um, which immediately made me thought there was a game going on with with the fees. Now, I did some check-in, and Chelsea's interest has, has been real in Hakimi, and it depends who you talk to whether you think there's been an official bid made by Chelsea. It's always difficult with these things to know When's an official bid an official bid? Is an official bid two people talking and they talk about the price? Or does an official bid have to be an email to lawyers with all sorts of numbers and, and bank signatures on and stuff? So that's always a little bit semantics. But certainly prices were talked between Chelsea and Inter Milan on, on Hakimi. But from what I'm told, um, it's basically there's, there's a very large agents' fee involved with Hakimi. Which, you know, we've been here before with Chelsea and they, they don't like those massive, massive agent's fees when it becomes an auction between them and another club. And it feels like PSG are willing to pay the agent exactly what he wants and willing to pay Hakimi an extortionate amount of money in wages for, you know, a right back. And I think that has dimmed Chelsea's interest slightly, Um I think they were prepared to get into a slight auction on the transfer price, but not an auction on wages and, and agents' fees. And then, of course, there's the issue of were Inter ever really w- willing to take a play in advance or Was uh, in in as part of the deal, and was that ever realistic? Because Chelsea are definitely putting round players to clubs at the moment. And that's Alonso, that's Emerson, that's Tammy Abraham. Clubs are being told that these players can be used as part of deals, but... Inter can't afford their wages. Inter can't afford Alonso's wages. Right? Alonso's on over hundred grand a week. Inter in all kinds of money problems. They can't afford his wages and they need the straight cash because that cash has to go to paying creditors. It's not just cash to reinvest or or put into the club. They've got to pay people back. So they need straight cash. So that to me always put PSG ahead. And it, it feels like the PSG move with Hakimi is going to happen and that Chelsea have maybe stepped back. I would say that you do get late twists on these things, so so don't sort of beat me up if there's a late twist and and Chelsea suddenly come back with a lot of money, but that that feels where it's at at the moment.
1: So with that agent fee, are they just slapping that on top of everything else? Because oh yeah, that, yeah. Because I thought, it as my understanding is, that as, as a player, they pay an agent a portion of the transfer fee. That's how they make their money. But now the agents have said, yeah, we'll take that fee, but also you, the selling cl- or the buying club, we're gonna we're gonna just tack on a a convenience fee for you too.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. I mean, this is is, the the way it's working out. It feels quite similar to the Lukaku thing a few years ago, when all of a sudden the agent wanted a very big fee and the the wages were going up and up. Um, And look, people will get annoyed, but I've seen on Twitter that some Chelsea fans are getting annoyed by the fact that Chelsea seem to be stepping back a bit from it. But it's not a priority position. I know that Tuchel wants to strengthen the right side, and it probably isn't in, in a sense a priority to him but they've got Reece James aspie is good for probably another year i mean they they do need to look at it they do need more strength that side because aspie's not going to last forever um but they've got Reese, it's you know if they're going to really push the boat out on an agents for your wages i think we know where they're going to try and push the boat out and and it's probably not on a right back can can we uh I think just pivot
3: down to Livermento then, because I think the, the knock on to potentially not signing Hakimi is perhaps there is a chance for uh, a young Valentiv- Valentino Um, Is there any sense that you're getting from the club that he will renew uh, and go on loan or potentially even uh, get slotted in as a, as kind of a backup option this season? Don't see him as
2: a backup option this coming season. I'd, I, Look, he, he, if he stays in the squad, he, he he might get on the bench and be in squads for cup games and things, but I don't... Tuchel definitely wants to strengthen that right side. He wants to bring someone in who's adaptable to maybe play as a right-back, right-wing-back or a right-winger who can make an impact from the bench or make an impact in certain games. That, to me, tells me that is not going to be that guy next season. Um I think Chelsea would like to keep him, but he's obviously looking at it. Personally, I think, I don't know that much about him. I've got to be honest with you. He's not one that's I've seen a lot of. Um, I'm not particularly close to his people, but I get the sense from the club that they would like to probably renew and maybe look at a loan deal for him, which seems eminently sensible. Um but whether he's got different ideas, there's been a lot of clubs linked with him, but I, I don't see him being, even with the Hik- 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 Hikimi one doesn't happen, and even if they don't end up signing the right side because the money all goes elsewhere and they decide to to park that particular position, I still don't even really see Livermento being a massive part of the first-team squad in any case next season. I think I think he's sort of a step off that from, from what I gather.
1: Um- Adama Traore was linked as well as almost like a backup option.
2: Yeah, definite interest in Adama Traore. I wrote about that after the Champions League win, because that's the first time I got told about it. Look, he makes a lot of sense to me because I think he would very clearly just be, be signed as a bit of a squad player, a bit of a utility player who can really make an impact off the bench. He is a player who you bring him off the bench I mean, I, I be being from the Midlands. He was at Villa for a while, and I know a lot of Wolves fans. He's far better for Wolves when he comes off the bench than when he starts games. He's a real, real impact player. And again, Wolves have got money problems. Wolves have got issues, and he's not signed a new contract yet. So, were they to go in hard on Adama Traore, I think you're looking at sort of 20, 25 million, which you know is sensible money for for a good squad player who can make an impact. I, I look, I, I'm 50/50 50, 50 as to whether that will happen because I think Wolves are trying to sell other players, um, but the, the interest in him is very real. And Ch- there's a historical interest with Chelsea actually with him as well because Chelsea tried looked at even signing him from Middlesbrough before he joined Wolves. So it feels like the scouting department at, at Chelsea, um, probably Scott McLaughlin, have had him on a radar for a while because when he left Middlesbrough after they didn't get out the championship a few years ago. Uh, Chelsea did actually, for sure, make an inquiry on him before he ended up joining Wolves. So he's a he's a player they've obviously looked at for a while, and I think he would be signed as an impact player, a pure impact player.
1: Yeah, the 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 one person who loses on an ad signing is the poor kit man in trying to get kits big enough <laughs> for him, and then whoever's in charge of lathering him up with the oil so that players can't grab him and pull him back. Uh, it's gonna be a real team effort, but you know <laughs> the the guy can very clearly. Um, you know, light a fire in the middle of a match. Uh we're gonna take a real quick break, Matt. When we get back, uh we're gonna follow up on Kane, Lukaku, midfield updates, preseason hopefuls, and well, a little bit of defender dilemma. So uh, thank you to the sponsors for supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right. So before we get too far into this, we might as well just put a little bow on this striker position, which it seems like Chelsea is maybe on paper the easiest one for us to to focus on as as fans is anything with Kane or Lukaku obviously they're both in the knockout rounds of the euros kind of focused on what they're doing but two names that have at least been floated around as potentials I know you'll probably say no deal for Kane is going to be done until the manager is kind of sorted for Tottenham because I feel like Kane is the 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 kind of like the carrot you're dangling in front of any Tottenham manager that no 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 we have this world-class striker he's not leaving until he leaves yeah.
2: <laughs> that's what they've been told, you know. That's what they when they were going for Paolo Fonseca, Fonseca was told that, that Kane won't leave. I'm starting to think that there is actually a chance that, that Kane will end up having to stay at, at Tottenham this summer. Um oh. but if he goes, I think it'll be Manchester City. Um, they they're the ones who have made a real move for him. They're the ones he seems to want them. They look like the only real ones who might be able to do it, but I actually do see a scenario now where Kane stays at at Tottenham at the moment because I think Levy's just having such a bad time this summer that it's very difficult for him to sell sell Kane at the moment and and not have a very big problem with the fans at, at Spurs unless a manager comes in what I was told if a manager comes in and says to Levy look I don't really want an unhappy Kane and if we can get 120 million for him I believe I can make this team better with that 120 million. Then it's a different conversation. But if the manager wants to keep Kane, I think it's going to be very difficult for anyone to get Kane out of Tottenham. Tottenham this summer. Um, Lukaku, I still don't think it's over. I, I, I'm I'm still not convinced everything's over with Lukaku, despite his statement. I've I've spoken to a, a few people in Italy who who think that Inter might yet have to look at selling him if they can't raise the money they need to raise. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm also told that Latoro Martinez, uh, his strike partner at Inter, um, that he could go if Lukaku doesn't go. And I, I still wonder whether a Chelsea or someone will have him down further down on a list. And again, that's me speculating, but <laughs> there's not many strikers out there and he seems a good striker who might... Enter a list if uh, if a couple of the main priorities can't can't get signed. But yeah, I don't I don't see the Lukaku one fully going away yet for sure. Particularly, he's having a good tournament. I, I don't know why you'd just take his public statements as a as a sign to to ditch that one. In in sort of we're still in June, aren't we? Nearly July.
0: So another section of the pitch. We'll maybe go a little a uh, little deeper then and talk about the midfield. Uh, so before we get to uh, some of the other names you mentioned earlier about. Billy Gilmore and what the next phase is. Norwich is the name that's been linked very heavily. Is that where you see uh, Billy going to apply his trade heading into next season?
2: Yeah, it looks like he's going to Norwich. It looks like that will be confirmed probably this week, if not this week, early next week. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, Farker was the B-team manager at Dortmund when when Tuchel was, was manager of, of Dortmund, and If you Google Farker and Tuchel, you'll find lots of pictures of them looking very pally with one another. Um, So it's very clear where that link has come from and that Tuchel clearly trusts Farker with him. And I think Farker is clearly going to play two sixes next season with, with Norwich. So I think that's really encouraging for Chelsea fans, actually, because that is a loan that tells me very much... That it's designed for Billy coming back to do big things at Chelsea. Um, if you're picking a manager who has such close links with your current manager, who's going to play in such a similar style to your team at the moment um, for Billy to go to, rather than a Crystal Palace, who I think were very interested in trying to take Gilmore. And at one stage earlier in the summer might have been the favourites to take Gilmore on loan because he's he would have been able to stay in London and things like that the fact you're basing it so much on on the manager who has the trust of your manager and who's going to play a very similar type of formation by the looks of it, I think that all points towards the fact that the two goals thinking and the club are thinking, probably more importantly in the in the long term, that um, this is all being very much done with, with Billy Gilmore coming back at some stage to play a, a very large role for Chelsea. And he does need to play for, for how well Billy's been excellent But I did think it was evident at the end of last season and the few games he got with Tuchel that he was a bit naive in a couple of games. And for how well he could play, he could also get a little bit bullied and a little bit caught out, which is completely understandable. He's still a teenager and he hasn't played much first team football. And I don't I don't think you can rely on him yet week in, week out for for a team like Chelsea and, and what they're trying to do. That's not to say he couldn't play a part at Chelsea. He could definitely. He's got that talent. But he, need, if he can get a full season playing every week in in that system in the Premier League, he'll come back. Not just all the talent, but he'll come back. So street wise as well, which will be which will be huge for him and Chelsea. Can we, uh,
3: for the nine hundredth time, talk about <laughs> uh, recently announced Chelsea Twitter admin uh, Declan Rice, uh, who? <laughs> has seemed to (laughs) to find his way into every photo possible with the Chelsea boys. Is there anything going on here this summer?
2: I have to be careful what I say on this because I've got some information on this which will end up getting written at some stage which I can't really talk about. Um, Look, Chelsea are interested in Declan Rice and everyone knows that Declan Rice is interested in Chelsea. (laughs) Um, Worst kept secret. There it is. the, The problem's West Ham and the problem's the asking price with West Ham. I mean, they're very—they're telling everybody at the moment it's 100 million, and Chelsea aren't going to pay 100 million for Declan Rice this summer. So it's what happens from there, really. And I think there's more to play on this, um, and it's going to be an interesting summer, let's say, around Declan Rice and, and Chelsea. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I can say at the moment. But the asking price has got to come down. The asking price has got to come down. Chelsea aren't paying 100 million pounds for Declan Rice this summer. If it can come down to say 70 million, then it could get really interesting. I think.
0: You know, and Matt, just playing a little bit of your your hypotheticals game here, um, as it relates to West Ham. West Ham aren't they in need of funds, or are they a team that is? Well, this is the interesting.
2: Well, they are solvent, but they've got no real money to go and spend. Um. And this is this is a problem on two two counts because obviously they've got the Europa League anyway, and, and David Moyes wants to bolster that squad a little bit. Um, and on the other hand, in terms of keeping Declan, let me let me make it clear that Declan, for sure, I did a big piece on on Declan a few weeks ago ahead of England, uh, mainly about him with England, but it spoke a lot about Chelsea and West Ham, and I I spoke to a lot of people around Declan, and as much as De- Declan loves. Chelsea, he does love West Ham. He genuinely loves West Ham. You know, there he's now a very much adopted club and he's an adopted son there. And there's no lack of respect going on there. Um, and, but he wants to win things. You know, he's like any player. He wants to win things. He's in an England squad now where, you know, his best mates just won the Champions League. Kieran Trippier has just won the Spanish League with Atletico Madrid. Uh, he's got all the Man City Premier League winners in there. He's looking at Harry Kane, who's got stuck at a club, but wants to go and win. When you're in that environment, and you know I've got it with my own club with with Jack Grealish. Once they get into that environment, it's difficult for them to to go back to clubs where they don't really have a chance of winning anything. And at some stage, whether it's this summer, next summer, the summer after that, will come to a head with Declan because he wants to win things. He's very ambitious. And as much as he really does love West Ham, um, and there's no sense of unhappiness there at the moment, he he definitely wants to win things as well. And, you know, there will have been a pang of jealousy when Mason Mount Mason Mount FaceTimed him from the dressing room in Porto after yeah, they sure. won the championship. He actually facetimed him from the dressing room to to talk to him about the fact that just won and show off his medal. And Declan Rice will have been delighted for him. But He's only human. There will be a pang of jealousy in there as well.
1: Well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, you don't have to uh, connect too many dots to realize that Declan has a lot of uh, connection to Chelsea, which, you know, as Nick pointed out, is quite public uh, for different reasons. But, um, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to formation and and all of these, you know, opportunities, because I think the players available will help drive Tuchel on his formation. He seems pretty pragmatic in the sense that, He'll work with what he has. He he knows what he wants. But um, as we've done the forwards, the attackers, we've done the midfielders. If you move to the defenders nice and cleanly, we know you've been watching the heroes with obviously personal and professional interest, Matt. So uh, Christensen stepping up mm. uh, recently. Rudiger uh, playing almost every single minute for Germany. Um, how does that complicate or maybe simplify Chelsea's plans of an extension? And I've heard rumors potentially... Yeah, or I guess we have to look at it because I think Aspie, Christensen, Rudiger, even technically Thiago Silva, like the entire back lines contracts expire next year. Do you feel like Chelsea's going to extend everyone minus Thiago Silva, or are they maybe going to play some some 3D chess here with these, these players?
2: I, I've thought all along. Well, I know for sure they want to extend Christensen.
1: Um,
2: and I think Christensen's priority is to try and extend with Chelsea. That feels just like something that's, that's going to happen. There's a bit of, there's, there's not an awful rush going on as such, but it feels like it's they're going to get there. And Christensen helped himself at this tournament for sure. And Chelsea he's put himself in a strong position, actually, because now Chelsea will also know they need to get him tied down because there could be a club out there who at some point try and take advantage of his contract situation because he's clearly a really talented defender. Um, he's clearly got a big future in the game. And if you are going to lose him at any stage, you want to lose him for massive money. You don't, you don't want to lose him, but you also don't want to lose him on a cut price. So, I think that one will happen. Rudiger, I keep hearing just there aren't any talks. I don't, I don't quite know what's going on with Rudiger. I just yeah. keep hearing there are no talks on that at the moment. That it's, it's parked, and nothing's really happening. He keeps saying he's relaxed and that he wants to stay and play for Tuchel. Chelsea seem to be equally relaxed. Um, yeah, his relationship at the moment seems to be very much Tuchel Bay. Every time I hear him talk, it's about playing for Tuchel, though, which I, I wonder whether it comes into the equation of of how long he he wants to commit or or will commit for. But I don't sense a problem. But I I'm for sure there's there's not really any talks happening there. Um, so yeah, there's a there's still a little bit of of doubt over those defenders. But again you'd think they'd want to renew them all because you want to have the cards in your hands if you ever do sell them and this is going to be such a tough summer to sell players for chelsea because of the still the impact of covid and clubs no longer being able to afford the wages of, of their players and things like that so even with someone like zuma it's a very hard summer to sell him even if you're thinking that at some stage you will sell him so you're almost better off getting everyone signed up and then looking at it after that so you you hold all the cards and that's kind of what they did on Giroud, which caught us all caught us all out in a way. Excuse me, I'm just going to turn my phone off from ring you. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's what they did on Giroud. They they kept the cards in their hands. I think Giroud will still go probably to AC Milan, but it was it was clever for them to do that to to so they're not in a vulnerable situation, so they can make decisions rather than other people making decisions for them. And
3: one of those decisions that I'm even wearing a shirt right now is is Aspeloqueta, who's obviously. Kind of entering into the latter part of his Chelsea career. Uh, he's in that post-30 stage uh, with Chelsea now, which is typically one or, or it seems like one-and-a-half-year deals. Uh, do you have any idea what the club want to do with, with you know, our captain and, and the person who just raised the, uh, the Champions League trophy?
2: I think from here on in, it'll be Aspie's decision. I think he's now won everything with Chelsea. He's... He's going to go down as one of those sort of Chelsea legends, you know, for sure. He's won everything. He's captained the club brilliantly. Um, he's been an amazing, amazing signing for the value of, you know, after he came from Marseille. And I think I think Aspie's now probably put himself in a position where he gets to decide. So if he wants to stay at Chelsea another year, they're obviously not going to offer him fortunes to stay at Chelsea because that that's just not going to happen. But if Aspie wants to stay another year, he'll be allowed to stay another year. If Aspie suddenly turns around and says, you know what, guys, now's the time of my career. I want to go back to Spain. I've won everything I've I can at Chelsea. I've done everything I can at Chelsea. Me and my family want to move back to Spain at some stage. I'm I'm guessing this, by the way. Then I the, the club just wouldn't stand in his way. So right. from here on in, it's what Aspie wants to do. Um, and it's also what Aspie wants to do in terms of as well, whether he's willing to, you know, when Tuchel came back in. He kept, he was playing every single week again. You know, From January onwards, Aspie, Aspie became the Aspie that we're all used to, playing every single game, which is what Aspie's used to. I don't know whether that will change next season. It might depend on whether this, this right-sider happens or whether a new defender happens, but you'd imagine at some stage that's Aspie again begins to fade out again. And he he then might turn around and say, well, I want to go to a club where I'm going to play every week again because... Aspie's just that kind of guy. He's he's used to playing every right. single game. I think he finds for, he's very, very professional, but I think he finds sitting on the bench very, very difficult because he's just not used to it. So that will that will come into the thinking as well as whether Aspie's maybe willing to accept being slightly more of a, let's say a squad player, uh, uh, whether it be this season or next season. So I, I just think it's going to come down to Asprey, how long Asprey stays for.
1: Seems like the the Chelsea way, especially once you get to this certain level, right? We've seen it with a few players. They kind of pick their terms. Obviously, Petr Cech being the one that hurt the most. Um, anyways, uh, Dan, over over to you about some preseason hopefuls, sir.
0: Well, yeah, I think, Matt, you know, there's a preseason for Chelsea starts <laughs> in July, which is crazy to think about just how much football we have on the calendar. Um, you know, Are there players who are coming back from loan in particular in the Conor Gallagher's, the Loftus Cheeks, um, that maybe you're going to be in a situation to impress Tuchel and think that they have an opportunity to really embed with the squad? Or are you getting any sense of maybe who's... Who are the players that is maybe most interested in seeing in a, in a preseason uh, that have been out on loan or haven't had a chance to play with the first team this uh, this past year?
2: Well, it feels like we're always talking about him when we come to this, but I think he will be genuinely interested to see Loftus-Cheek. He, um, I remember we did an interview with him around the Fulham game about Loftus-Cheek, and he said that this was a player who was a kid when he was in Dortmund. I think it was Dortmund when he heard this, but he knew a lot about Loftus-Cheek. He he knows that Loftus-Cheek is this very highly rated young player. He's seen him play. He's, he, he's taken an interest in him. And he, he said he reminds him that Loftus-Cheek reminds him a little bit of Balak. Um, so I think he'd be very interested to see Loftus-Cheek because he knows about him. He knows his talent. He knows the reputation of, of Loftus-Cheek of a few years ago. And Loftus-Cheek himself definitely wants to give it a real go in pre-season with Chelsea. So I think, I think of all of them... He will be the one he's really interested to see. I still think it will be a very tough ask for Loftus-Cheek to force his way in ahead of all those players now. But that's not to say he can't do it. And the fact that Tuchel clearly already has a little inkling for him might help him. Um, And the fact he's already comparing him to Balak again might help him a little bit. But he's the one. It wasn't a great year for a lot of the Loneys, I've got to be honest, you know. Backshire had a bad loan. Barkley had a bad loan. Drinkwater hasn't done anything again. Um, there's not a Bakiyoko did okay, but you know we know that Bakiyoko is not going to be part of the first team squad. Not a lot. Conor Gallagher had a very good one. I would imagine the, the sensible option on Conor Gallagher seems to be maybe another loan, a, a potentially a slightly better club now. Um, <laughs> Well, he did, that's not being disrespectful to West Brom, but he did really well with West Brom, but he did really well in the West Brom side that really struggled. And now I think he probably needs, you know, maybe a Crystal Palace or something like that. A, a club, a more mid-table club, depending on who becomes manager at Palace, maybe a club that is going to play a, a certain style of football. But I, I think he probably needs another loan. I, I can't see Conor Gallagher breaking into the first-team squad realistically although I could see him being part of the pre-season because I think they do still see him as a player who can have maybe have a Chelsea future. So therefore, I think they'll want to have a good look at him. I think they'll want to make him feel like Chelsea's still his club before he maybe then goes out on loan. The others, unless I'm forgetting someone, I think really difficult, really difficult to see what happens with the Ross Barclays of this world. Danny Drinkwater's got one more year of his contract. I think that will just get seen out whether he goes on loan or whether he ends up just, you know, not training with the first team at Chelsea or, and just sort of seeing out that last year. Bakayoko will probably get a loan in Italy again because he's done OK in Italy. Um, not a lot else, really. It's, it's Marina's got her work cut out this year. And none of those, very few of those loanees did themselves any favours, to be quite honest with you. It wasn't a vintage year for the uh, Chelsea
1: loanees I've probably forgotten someone if I have I'm very sorry uh, it's easy to forget with this club Matt so uh, I don't think anyone's going to hold you to not knowing the entire loan army (laughs) uh, front to back on that
2: particularly when I'm trying to think off the top of my head but I'm scared I'll have forgotten one really obvious one who's done really well that will immediately get pointed out to me
1: so if Uh, I have I'm really sorry no no worries we just covered a lot of those players with uh at Chelsea youth uh earlier in the week so you're you're covered um, But it sounds like um, Tuchel's looking for that kind of like tall, combative midfielder, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, or even maybe the Bakayoko. Is, do you feel like that is a type of player they're at least looking for? I think Chichimeni kind of fits that role. Declan Rice obviously fits that role to a certain extent.
2: Yeah, look, I think this dates back a while. I think they've been looking for a while for someone a bit taller in that midfield who maybe holds their position a little bit more and lets others sort of be a little bit freer. Um, Declan Rice would certainly do that. I haven't seen an awful lot of tuchamani I am doing the Cesc Fabregas column at the moment for our newspaper in the Euros. I'm talking to Cesc a lot, and I have asked Cesc about him, and Cesc absolutely raves about him, but he, he, Cesc says that he is not, at the moment, a sort of out-and-out defensive midfielder. Cesc thinks he can be any midfielder. Cesc thinks he can be an 8, a 10, or a 6, and that it's not actually kind of decided yet with, with him. He just thinks he's an all-round great player. I must also say that sesk that is hoping that Tuchimani stays at Monaco for, for one more year, at least with him. But um, he was also very surprised he didn't make the France squad for the Euros. He thought he was definitely good enough to be in that France squad. He was in the under-21 squad in the end. Um, I haven't seen an awful lot of him. I've read about him a lot. I've seen the odd little bit. I haven't. I can't pretend that I've seen loads of him. I don't know exactly what type of player he is, um, but the scouts obviously like him, but they seem to want a bit of height in there. Someone who has the ability to hold a little bit more and, and sit a little bit more. Um, that player's not really Loftus-Cheek. I know Loftus-Cheek's taller, but he's like, like too cool sort of compared to, he's more that sort of powerful number 10 Balakie type. He's not a player to sit. I don't ever see him being that player it will be interesting if Loftus Cheek ever goes out on loan because I could see Sari, Sari having a go for Loftus Cheek because, and Loftus Cheek would probably quite like to play for Sari again because he had a great spell under him. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on that one. Sari now Lazio, I think. Yep, that's um, the rumor. So if I was to spark a little rumor today, I would say Loftus Cheek, a late loan. Look out for Lazio because. I know for sure, though, those two really get on get on with each other professionally. Yeah.
3: When we uh, had the chance to interview Ruben, he seemed very effusive in his praise of sorry that he was helping him mm. with his positioning, that he felt a lot of belief in, in his skill set. And so it would make a lot of sense that that would be on the cards if it
2: was. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But I don't see him filling the role that Chelsea have sort of been looking at for, <clears throat> they've probably been looking at this role now for easily two years. I mean, another player they looked at is Indeedy at, at Leicester. It's never got really reported, but last summer they looked at Indeedy at Leicester, um, but you're never going to get him out of Leicester. I mean, you know, if you, if you're talking that Rice is hard to get out of West Ham, you know, indidi's even harder to get out of Leicester. So it's, it's just not going to happen, but yeah, clearly, clearly they want to do something there if they can. Think one time. of the
0: other like last loan maybe discussions is people kind of think about the uh brandon's favorite position on the pitch the goalkeepers and uh if there might be a move for keppa to go play on a weekend week out basis for uh for a team is that maybe still in the cards or is it a, a well, situation of wages
2: he was in italy linked with lazio because again sari likes keppa but i'm told that that's virtually impossible to do that the the wages involved and, and everything else that Sari does love Kepa. Sari really does rate Kepa highly. Um, but I just think financially, from what I'm told, it's impossible for Lazio to do. And whew, I don't see a club out there who'd realistically be looking at Kepa who who would be able to afford that. So I I wonder whether Kepa's gonna end up staying another season. And in actual fact, let's let's face it, Kepa did well under Tuchel last season. He he kept he kept a lot of clean sheets under Tuchel. He seemed to get some of his confidence back. Clearly, Edouard Mendy is number one and, and will be number one. But, you know, Kepa staying as number two all of a sudden doesn't look like such a bad thing for Chelsea at all, given the form he showed under Tuchel. So I think that's probably more realistic at the moment. I don't, don't quite see where a club who could afford his wages or or afford the loan fee and the wages are going to come from for, for Kepa. But the goalkeeping position is interesting, actually, because... Um, they're going to need one. They're going to need a backup at some stage. You know, I think Willie Caballero is gone now, hasn't he? they, they announced he's he's left. So I, you'd maybe think that they would be looking to try and bring an English goalkeeper in to to help the um, help the homegrown rule, and to maybe have have someone there who is ready to become the number two when they can finally probably find a deal for Kepa. More realistically, maybe next summer than this summer. If Kepa has another decent sort of cup seasons, Chelsea's Cup goalkeeper, and the uh, the finances of clubs recover a little bit from COVID next season, then you could see next summer maybe a deal being able to be done for for Kepa. And and at that point, Chelsea would probably hope to have had someone in as the number three who can then just be the number two. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking for that sort of number three English type goalkeeper from from somewhere. I like Sam Johnston. I think he would be excellent, but I can't Ooh. see him agreeing to become Chelsea's number two, stroke three goalkeeper. He'll want to be a number one somewhere.
1: Yeah, I wonder if Petr checks homegrown, asking for a friend. Uh, anyways, <laughs> is there anything that we missed, Matt? That's on your radar that that we should no, be I
2: mean, on? I'm I'm getting I'm getting on Twitter at the moment because I've got to be honest. I'm trying to keep Chelsea slightly off my radar at the moment because I need to concentrate on England. But that's fair. No, no, I think, I think a lot of it is what, what we know. And, you know, I think it's going to be a long summer, guys. I think it's going to be a long summer. I think it's going to take a while for, for anything to get done because Tuchel's made it clear, and I think the club in a position where they're trying to do quality over quantity. They're trying to be careful. Um, I hear that Tuchel has told people, look, if we don't get anyone, you know, it's not the end of the world. I think he'd prefer to get no one than the wrong people. And the club had been burned a few years ago with, with getting people in rather than just waiting. So it could be a long summer. I think they're prepared to play a waiting game if they have to.
3: All right, a couple of fun ones to end, a couple well, of rapid fires. Uh, your summer ice cream of choice, and this is from at RJP Journalism, summer ice cream of choice.
2: Oh, man, I'm not a big ice cream eater. I'm what? not. I'd, I'm a smoothie drinker. I'm not a big ice cream eater, so I'd be very boring. I'd be like just a a normal 99er with a flake in. Okay, that very
3: disappointing. <laughs> but I think we're gonna get you on this one. Uh, at lump of CFC, ask what is your go-to drink at the pub after a long day. We we know that you love a
2: pub. I do love a pub. I love an IPA at the moment. Um, okay. Any kind of refreshing sort of IPA on tap. I, I like my American IPAs, actually, as, as much as anything So say. You know, serve me up an IPA, I'll be quite happy. Not really a lager drinker these days. I used to be a lager drinker in my youth, but it's too sort of fizzy for me these days. So, yeah, nice, smooth, cool IPA is just perfection.
1: All right. Well, that's uh, easy enough, Matt. Good redemption on that one. But, hey, everybody, that's, uh, that's the Matt Law special wrapped up. Obviously, go check out... Uh, Matt on uh, Twitter his newsletter everything he writes at the Telegraph. Uh, we're all subscribers, so uh, we encourage you to do the same and support Matt and everything he's doing. Plus, just the best, like one of the best sources for Chelsea out there. We, that's why we bring him on. So, anyways, Matt, continue to enjoy the Euros. Hopefully, it goes well. Uh, for your lot against Germany Um, obviously we're here to get the most enjoyable football and I feel like the amount of build up around that one (laughs) surely something exciting is going to happen it'll
2: be dramatic it might not be beautiful to watch but it'll be dramatic
1: I mean that's all we can ask for so anyways uh, listeners thank you as always go check it out on social media plug it if you enjoyed it share it uh, discord server for the best Chelsea community but anyways that's going to wrap us up so until next time Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high